what is happening and welcome back to another episode of run through presents gone running thank you so much for all the support on the podcast so far if you are enjoying it please do consider leaving a comment on spotify or rating and reviewing on apple podcasts it really helps us out and it just helps spread the word as well and a big thank you of course to all of the amazing guests we've had on to this point lots of episodes for you to go back and listen to if you are just discovering the podcast now Today's guest is Andy Rayner. You might know Andy as the Forest of Dean runner. He runs a hugely successful YouTube channel and his social presence is growing day by day as well. He's also an incredible runner in his own right, having just achieved an incredible marathon time a couple of months ago at the Newport Marathon, running around the 240 mark, which is absolutely incredible. But it's not always been plain sailing for Andy, which you'll find out more about in this conversation. We chat about his running journey and also what his kids now think about Andy making videos for YouTube, documenting his whole journey. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Andy Rayner here on Run Through Presents Gone Running. Forest of Dean runner. Uh, I'm a runner based in the Forest of Dean uh, and I've been running for eight and a half years I suppose now. 2015 January the 1st New Year's resolution to get fit, quit football, started running um, and have just enjoyed the process ever since, learned a lot along the way. As everyone knows the growth in running is never a linear path but it's a great path to be on, a great learning journey and um, here we are today sort of eight and a half years down the line just kind of enjoying myself loving loving what I'm doing running loving filming running loving going to races supporting local clubs just everything it's a brilliant journey you mentioned there and I think straight away I want to pick up on new year's resolution I feel like a lot of people have that new year's resolution but few maybe stick to it to the extent (laughs) that you have um what what made you go from a person that just wanted to start running to completely falling in love with it? Well, to be honest with you, I watched the 2012 Olympics and we had that magic Saturday with the three gold medals, Mo, Greg Rutherford and was it Jessica Ennis Hill? I can't remember. It's three incredible gold medals. And I thought, I want to run. And then I, <laughs> I didn't do anything for three years. And the, the odd thing was, is back in 2007, I ran for about six months and I did two half marathons, my local one here and one in Cardiff. And um, Cardiff, as a lot of people know now, is a massive uh, half marathon. But back then it was very embryotic. It was like its second or third year or something crazy, really small, completely different route. And um, I did it as part of football training to get fit. And I ran four miles twice a week and that was it. And, and I vowed after Cardiff half marathon that I'd never run again. But football got to a point where I was playing in a local team. Great fun, loved it, loved the social side, but it wasn't pushing me enough. I was in a team that was, um, we were in a division that was good, but not great. And to take that next step, uh, I remember having a chat with someone in the local Chinese on that Christmas, uh, I want to say 27th, they're like, mate, come and play for us. Come on, you, you know, come and play. And I was like, I'd love to, mate, but I can't be traveling the, um, the amount you travel. I just got, I've got a young family. And it was at that moment that I kind of went, 
I'd love to have explored that next step in football, but it just was never practical. So I just went, well, what can I do that's going to push me? I, I have a real burning desire inside me all my life to just push myself and see how good I can get at something. And I thought, well, do you know what? Go back to running, give it a go. You were inspired by that 2012 moment on Saturday. Get out there, see what you can do. So I basically straight away went out for a couple of runs between Christmas and New Year and went, right, January the 1st, I'm starting, signed up with a PT, hammered strength and stuff with running for the first year. And I've just never looked back. I mean, I don't have a PT anymore, but it was just kind of that whirlwind of, I want to do it and I want to do everything. And although things calmed down, the running then ramped up and yeah, it just just spiraled from there. Do you remember what those those first six months were like? Because it's the gains that you make in the first six months that just seem like astronomical, isn't it? Yeah. Remember kind of that first few runs to, let's say, six months down the line. I remember going out in the dark because I didn't want anyone to see me running. Um, I'm six foot six, so I so I think back then, like I, my form has improved over time. But I still, if you put me in a stack field of runners, you can pick me out a mile off. My stride length is way bigger than most other people's. Um, but back then, I just I didn't have a core. I didn't I didn't have a lot of stuff. It was it was terrible. So I, I remember the first few runs. And I think I was running sort of 11, 12 minute miles or something like that. And I just built up. And I remember saying to the PT when I signed up for him with him, after four weeks of running, I said, I want to run a 70 minute half marathon by the end of the year. (laughs) And he looked at me and went, okay, yeah, we'll try. Um, Obviously, I still haven't hit that now. But um, I just had big dreams, I remember. And I remember running the first half marathon in March. And I just remember running a lot of my runs too fast. Basically, I ran a lot of them most of the week way too fast. And then after that first race, I ran a 140, one half marathon, I think it was. And I thought to myself, that was great and big progress, but I'm, I feel burnt out. How am I ever going to run fast if I feel this burnt out? So that's when I started to dive into how to train properly, running slow on Sundays, running fast. And I remember in that after the six months, I just felt like a new runner, you know, fresh, ready for those faster runs, taking the easier runs a little bit easier. Probably still didn't get the balance quite right, but it was way better, way better than, than what it was at the start. Did you feel naturally gifted at it to start with, mate? Or do you feel like it's something that you really have to work at? Yeah, I, I really have to work at it. A lot of people say to me now when they see sort of, I guess, the, the progress, oh, you've obviously got a natural talent for running. I really don't. I've got no natural talent whatsoever. There's a lot of people that I used to train with that progressed way quicker than I did. And I think that comes down to, well, obviously, I, a lot of it comes down to my build. I am six foot six. I'm not as efficient as other people. I'm a much better a much more efficient shorter distance runner. I was really good at school at sprinting the 100 and 200 meters. And on football, I played, despite my height, I played on the wing because I could sprint. So I came off the back of very much fast twitch muscle fiber sports and the slow twitch stuff just took, like now that's my preferred uh, type of running longer, slower stuff. But back then it, it wasn't. And I remember a lot of my friends would start running later than me, but then progress way faster than me and get past me. And I just think to myself, it's all right, we're all built differently. You're never going to be an elite runner, but just do the best you can. It did used to bother me a little bit in the beginning, but now I just got to the point where because I know what I'm doing with training blocks and how to periodize training and stuff, I do see regular progress, which 
for me is all I'm looking for because as we know comparison is often like the thief of joy as they say and you know you can compare yourself to a lot of people I've learned very quickly not to do that so uh, yeah I wouldn't say I'm the most naturally gifted but I'm saying I'm the one that will turn up uh, week in week out you mentioned kind of knowing how to peer like period I can't say that word put a training block together we'll go with that yeah Um, where did you sort of learn to do that did you have a coach yourself was it all self-taught like how did how did that process of kind of actually understanding how to train properly kind of come in it it was self-taught in the beginning um so there was a couple of youtubers that i used to watch when i first started sage canaday and then ethan newbury the ginger runner um he was more shoe reviews and then sage was more uh sort of training topics training talks and i would study him i'd learn a lot about how he was doing it and i would go off online and do some research because he was talking about different methods of training i think at the time he was training with hanson brooks when i found him which is way way back and um, I just started to learn about the process of building and then I, I, I basically took this uh, 16 week model that I found uh, a lot of people use which was like there was like four weeks of base building six weeks of speed uh, six weeks of speed endurance and then four weeks of kind of uh, peaking and then tapering so it was just a very bog standard cookie cutter start with the base, put a bit of speed on, add the endurance, uh, sharpen up and taper off. And I just repeated that process. Uh, And although I I now understand there's a lot more to it, um, that in itself, that just basic principle, that's what got me uh, a lot more progress in the first couple of years. You mentioned it before, but obviously you've got a family, a job and and all of that as well. How do you go about balancing everything? Because <laughs> going back to back to back kind of will get into your your race schedule and what has been your race schedule over the past couple of years. It yeah. must it must be quite hard to kind of spin all those plates. Yeah, I I get up um really early for my runs <laughs> before I don't before, sleep. I don't yeah, sleep. <laughs> basically, yeah. Sleep is non-existent. Now I get up I get up really early between sort of like half five and six o'clock and I get out the door before um so me and my wife alternate school runs, so I do the morning, she does the afternoon. Um and so I just gotta make sure that I'm back by sort of like quarter to eight to get shower dressed and get out the door for the school run. So nine times out of ten my runs are done before the day starts so it doesn't interfere with work and anything and if I miss it or I oversleep because I'm knackered then I'll, I'll do it in the evening but I used to always be an evening runner um, but now I'm a morning runner and I cannot I really struggle with the evenings so like with football one of the reasons I stopped that was as I said because I had two kids at the time that were like two and four really hard time of parenting they're young they're energetic that you know they want to be doing everything and, you know I'm working full-time and then off on football on a Saturday and training in the week. And I just thought that's the balance that I need to get, getting into running, but I can at least start to mold it around the day and around when the kids are in bed and stuff like that. So the rule of thumb is nine times out of 10, I get out when the kids are in bed. And it's nice to have that routine for you as well, isn't it? That that is when you run, that is the time for yourself. And that is when you're kind of working on your passion. Yeah, absolutely. I A lot of people say sort of like, well, a lot of people say, how do you get up early and what have you? And I think to myself, well, I'm, I, I never really was an early morning person, but I think what drives me to get up is knowing that, you know, when you have a busy life and you have a family and you have young kids and stuff, 
you need that time, you know, whatever that might be. And, and um, for me, making that time, my kids are a lot older now, so the evenings are no longer putting them to bed at half seven and then we've got two and a half hours or whatever before we go to bed. You know, our kids are like 14 and 12, our oldest now, so they're up until like nine o'clock. Um, so like the mornings are my priority and my me time and like that's that's what drives me to get up just to have that little bit of headspace <laughs> i know it sounds crazy but in in a day that's filled with everything um i just know that i can get a couple of hours squeezed in in the morning that's just going to make the world a difference to the day and obviously with with yourself as well you don't just have the running but you've got the youtube side of things as well with kids being 14 and 12 and youtube being such a big thing what do they think about dad going out running with a camera <laughs> and sitting in the office and doing a shoe review oh my life um my <laughs> my eldest uh watches my videos um sometimes she's quite invested in it so they both have their own little youtube channels um but they do like they do their own stuff like sh youtube shorts you know so they edit all their stuff on their phones um my middle one uh is not quite so interested but it they do talk about it at school <laughs> they do say my dad does youtube and sometimes bless them they don't get the best response especially if they i guess they feel proud and they'll show their mates and their mates are like what is that and bless them so that they might be like oh dad they laughed at me and i'm like i'm oh, really sorry but you know <laughs> running is a niche thing so they're probably not going they're probably going to be wanting watching gaming videos um not running and not your dad um but no they're 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 really good uh they laugh a lot and especially at the thumbnails and stuff that i make but do you know what they're um yeah they're good as gold to be fair What's it been like seeing the growth there? Because it does seem like it's grown and grown and grown. It must feel quite, um, quite nice. Yeah, it's it's a, it's <clears throat> it's a bit surreal and it's a bit amazing. And and I go through blips and phases where I kind of um, have wobbles and things where I think about like the trajectory of the channel, where it's going, what I want to do with it. And at the core has always been training. Like that's my cornerstone. And in terms of if we want to talk about like views and stuff like that, training videos get the least views. Uh, and they, they spread the least because you're really, when you watch someone's training, you're buying into their journey. It's not like a searchable piece of content or it's less searchable. Uh, so shoe reviews get more views because they search more. So my, my, my thing is always to try and balance out training, how to videos, shoe reviews, and occasionally longer sort of training runs if I can get someone to film. Um, and just trying to find that balance all the time. But like recently I changed my video schedule because I was like, YouTube keeps telling me I'm posting in the morning at 7am when less viewers are online. So I'm like, oh, okay, let's, let's change that. But I mean, I've been doing that for four or five years at 7am. And then I changed it to 4 p.m. when it was really um, popular to post. And it just made no difference whatsoever. And I get comments like, oh, I miss watching your videos with breakfast. And then I found myself checking analytics all the time. And I thought, this isn't what I this isn't why I do it. I love making videos. I record a video, I record the footage, I edit the video, I publish the video, I delete the footage, clear my mind, clear the computer, and go again, repeat. It's a simple thing. Um, and by checking the analytics all the time, <clears throat> just made me like, no, it's going back to 7 a.m. <laughs> I don't, I don't want this. So it really is just a case of putting my passion out there, putting the videos out there, mostly getting positivity and uh, just enjoying it really.
it's almost like you're you're treating it as as a session in that way isn't it like you're filming you're editing and then you're forgetting about it so you're, yeah. you're getting up you're getting the session done and then you're gonna have a look at the session and then you're gonna think right this went well this didn't move on go again Absolutely. I believe in a clear mind and a clear space. And although I wouldn't quite say I'm a minimalist type of person in life, I often find like I try and approach my YouTube videos as just a snapshot in time. So it's like, it's just a video diary and a video document of what I did that day. And, and then at that point, like I've got a record of it. It's on YouTube. If I ever want the video again, I can just download it off YouTube. Yes, the quality is not great, but I, I don't care. I'd rather just go um, record, edit, publish, delete, clear my mind, put the video out there and get ready to go again. I know a lot of YouTubers like to stash footage on hard drives. Don't get me wrong, I've got a few bits and bobs on hard drives, some good B-roll footage that I'll use quite a bit, um, but I won't keep daily videos on there. The only stuff that I keep is of when I've got someone to be able to film me so I can use it as B-roll. Um, but other than that, yeah, I just like to cleanse the mind and, and just get the video out there and say that was Thursday, the 25th of June. That's what happened. That's the vlog. Job done. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about, and I think it bounces on quite nicely from that actually, is kind of clearing your mind because a lot of people have to do that after a race. And particularly when that race maybe goes badly, you yeah. kind of have to think, right, I have to forget about that. I know I've done work to this point and that work's banked. We need to move on and think about the next thing. And I know your journey to your PB in Newport, which you absolutely demolished. I was there actually. Oh, wow, were time. you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't have the best race that day, but oh. um, it, these things happen, don't they? But yeah. How how have you how have you kept motivated throughout throughout those those marathons that maybe haven't quite gone to plan and those races that haven't gone to plan? Because you go up to a certain point, you think this is going to be the one, mm -hmm. and then it's not, and then you do it again, and then it's not, and then you do it again, and yeah. it's not, and you keep yeah. saying to yourself, how, yeah. how do you keep motivated through that? Um, I think for me, I always kind of think to myself, it's really difficult because on YouTube as well, you'll get a lot of um, people that are offering <laughs> coaching advice to you yeah. or telling you you're doing it wrong. And you do on Strava, every social media. If you, I always say to yourself, like if you put yourself out there, if you're big enough and ugly enough to put your journey out there, you've got to be big enough and ugly enough to take whatever comes back. And you get a lot of that and then it makes you question things and you're like, no. What I see during a training block, and I always tell people is, especially if you do a 16-week marathon block, which can be long and grueling, what you think to yourself is, I always go, if this is spring, imagine how fit you're going to be in the summer. And I almost just try and take the pressure completely off the marathon and go, this training, all right, we hope to nail the marathon. I hope it goes well, fingers crossed. But if it doesn't, you're going to be so fit in the summer. And then the next block, if you get that, you know, another block under your belt, you go, do you know what? I'm going to demolish my 5K, 10K and half marathon times when this block's done. And I just keep approaching training blocks going, after this, you'll be amazing. After this, you know, this is a journey. This isn't just 16 weeks to a point. This is a lifelong block after block after block after block. So I try and see it as one long journey rather than just a chunk in time. With the marathons in particular, though, for me, I, I've run, I think it was nine now, or ten, nine, I think, and most of them have gone wrong, to be fair. And um, I think what's kept me going is that I've known deep down 
that I can do it. There's just something holding me back. And that something ended up being fueling, which I finally got right. So I'd be like, ah, keep tinkering with fueling, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then eventually you'll get it. And when I got it, it it was such an amazing feeling. And I mean, as a course for anybody that's watching this and has run Newport, it, it's one of those marathon courses that is so destroying. Yeah. there's (laughs) There's pockets of support. Yeah. Um, but few pockets of support and, and a lot of it is a very much solo endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, a, it's not a London marathon. It's not, it's not a Manchester marathon. It's, it's a, it's a marathon that at mile 23, you go around an industrial estate, which is <laughs> oh, that's horrific. That's horrific. <laughs> what, um, what was in your head when you were thinking, I think this is the one today? Well, it's interesting because I, Although I, I say it's soul destroying jokingly, I prefer those courses. Um, when I did London, the adrenaline just overwhelmed me. Yeah. And uh, I don't like that. Like, I love London. I'll go back to it. I want to do it. But I thrive on country lanes. That's where I prefer to run. Um, and I guess that comes from training on my own a lot. So running around the forest of Dean where I am on my own. That's, you know, so I kind of got used to it. And to be fair, luckily enough, that course that we ran encompasses two or three races that I do throughout the year, the Maygor 10K, the Lizery 8. Um, yeah, sorry, just those two races. So there's a good chunk of that course that I know. Oh, and the Rose Inn races that I do in the summer, that's in there as well. So there's a lot of that course that I'm very, very familiar with. And so that helps as well. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned the industrial estate because that wasn't and isn't on the route map that they published. So I did the Newport Marathon 2017, 2018, and it is as per, there's a big long out and back, and you come back and you join back onto the main road, but this time you do the big out and back, and when you get to the top, that's when they weave you off through the industrial estate, and I just wasn't prepared for that, and that was soul-destroying. Um, but at that moment, I was like, I faded in the last three miles, and I, and I just said to myself, You've got three miles to go. You can do this. You can, you can do it. You've got runners ahead of you. They're slowing. You're not, you are slowing, but you're not slowing as much as them. Pick a focus, uh, pick one, run to them, pick the next one, run to them. And then finally I found two people to get me up and over that last bridge, um, that I went past. And then it was a solo sprint to the finish. And that feeling when you went over there was just like, I can't, like, I still feel it now. So proud. Just like I've gutted out weeks of marathon training blocks throughout the years to finally get one that worked. And all that's done now is give me more motivation to practice fueling, to go again, to make sure I fuel even better next time. Uh, the weight off your shoulders is massive. I kind of suddenly felt like I had nothing to prove to anybody. It's like I can run a marathon. So yeah, it was a really good feeling. What's been the best feeling in running for you, Andy? Because a lot of people talk about, you know, breaking that 20 minutes for the 5K for the first yeah. time, breaking the three hour for the marathon for the first time, breaking 245. Like, what has been the best feeling for you? Was it that or, or was it something else? It's a really good question. There are some time things that stick out in my head. Um, I remember breaking 130 and a half. I had about six attempts at that. Uh, so that feeling was great doing my first sub three marathon. That was incredible. But the best feeling I can ever have in running is um, when I'm out there on the trails, um, I'm usually with somebody, and whether it's my friend Matt or my friend Lee or someone, I'm just clipping along and I look down at my watch and I'm running a relatively fast pace, so like a moderate effort at a really low heart rate. 
feeling good, chatting, and then I suddenly get overwhelmed with gratitude. So it's like, you're so lucky to do this. You're so lucky to be able to run this fast, feeling this comfortable. Um, I know there are professional athletes that run way quicker, but I think to myself, God, this pace like two or three years ago would have been unfathomable, let alone running it how comfortable you are running it now. And those are the best feelings I find because those are the feelings you don't get in a race, you don't get anywhere else, nothing builds you up to that. It's just that instant, oh my goodness, it hits you. And you feel, I'm not gonna say emotional, but you really fill up with joy and, and gratitude. That's the best way I can describe it. So for me, absolutely, those are the best ones. And I know you said like about training solo a lot of the time, but being with somebody at those points when things like that happen, yeah, it's so nice being able to share those moments with those people as well. Me and me and my friend Matt were doing a lot of running training together uh, for our last marathons. I was Newport, he was London, and we were doing a lot of long runs together. And I remember doing the first one, and you know, with him, and we were both quite rusty. He just run Valencia. I hadn't touched a long run in ages. And we both, you know, he's a lot quicker than me, but we both at the end were like, oh my word, we've got to run a marathon in a few weeks. And I remember like four or five weeks in, we had like a steady first portion, a workout, and then a steady finish. And I remember on the steady finish, looking at him going, we've just nailed this and look how good and comfortable we feel. This is amazing. And he looked at me and was like, yeah, man, this is like, we've stepped up. We've, that, our muscle memories kicked in, marathon training. And it was just like that euphoria and we finished high fived. Yeah. And we were just like, wow, we knew that like at that moment that our fitness levels had just kind of stepped up. Obviously his is way more than mine, but we both leveled up and it, and it felt really good. And I, I just, I, I love those moments because races can give you all sorts of moments, but you can't replicate that moment anywhere. It's incredible. I want to take you all the way back to the start of this conversation then and and you're you're in that chinese and you're thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go and do this i'm gonna run what yeah. what, what would um what would andy of of then said if you would if you had told him that this is where you would be in the future patience because i wanted to run that uh, 70 minute half and i i was i believed that i could do it in the first six months and then i realized there's no way i can do it um patience the journey is as i said at the start is not linear it is it is a you know you will get to here but you know it's 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 a build a build you'll have setbacks you'll have injuries you'll have lots of stuff happen life happens um, but it's so, it's worth every second and every step, even the runs you don't want to get out and do, because those are the ones that really sort of, you know, make you. And um, yeah, the one, if I could give myself even just one word, it would be patience. It's so worth it. Mm-hmm.